What's going on, everyone? My name is Chris Tondwold, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we try to find people that have found their balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This episode, we feature the Virginia-based metal band Kismet. This was a ton of fun. We go into the formation of the band and the history behind their current lineup, writing music with the audience in mind, hotel room mix-ups on tour, and big, big poops. Check out their latest record, The Boundaries of Man, available everywhere, and look out for possible shows late summer. As a side note, we had the whole Kismet crew on the show and recorded remotely with them using only one mic. I think I got it sounding good, but I'm always looking for feedback, especially on the audio quality. If you got any, hit me up on Facebook and let me know. As always, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow me on Spotify, and share the show if you can. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. All right, cool. So whoever wants to go first, have at it. All right, so my name is Mikey. I'm the guitar player. I'm from Chile. All right. Uh, I'm Chris, the bass player. The OG, I guess, as the guys call it. And I'm from sunny Woodbridge, Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Steven. I do vocals from Green Forest, Arkansas. In the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I didn't even know Arkansas was still a thing. Yeah, most people don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably still in the top. <laughs> I do miss them. And I'm Anthony San Pietro, Ant Man, and Ooh. I'm from also Woodbridge, Virginia. Yeah, Virginia. and I play drums. I forgot to tell that. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's only really important. That's all. I'm Stevo, and I supply the lube for the band. But I also <laughs> play guitar. Very That's a very important role. role. Yeah, very <laughs> very important. Role. <laughs> well, when you have the the booty shorts, you got to have the lube with it, right? That's that's how that works. Yeah, none of us are wearing pants right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can tell. The joys of the home. Okay. <laughs> it's only when it's time for a reason, buddy. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys are close, right? Why why not just uh, get get us to butts? Why why not? <laughs> You throw some quarantine in there and we get real quick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that we got the introductions out of the way, I want to talk about this record because it's fucking great. It rips all the way through and the the clean vocals versus the the screaming, fantastic. It's balanced out great. And Dang. then all the guitars just fucking rip all the way through. Chris and I were talking a little bit yesterday. You were guys recorded most of it by yourself possibly is that what we were talking about yeah we uh we actually did all the tracking in the room that you're seeing us in right now yeah. <laughs> um and like while we were tracking too we were building kind of like a home studio out back okay and then as soon as we sent the tracks out we were done building the studio <laughs> so, <Nice. laughs> we're backwards yeah. yeah a little yeah. bit a little bit but that's that's I think impressive because that shows that no matter what happens, if the role shuts down, we can still get shit done. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a huge learning thing. Cause like that, like we've had experience tracking before, mm-hmm. but as far as like, okay, let's make a pro record. So let's start by doing it ourselves, which we've never done. Let's start getting <laughs> here, which we've never used before. And then that's how you get a pro sounding record. Right. You just kind of buy the shit and do it yourself. Yeah, I mean that's how I, I've treated the the podcast for sure. Is that I I went to somewhere, started paying for that, and I was like, "That's a lot of money, even if it's really great stuff." I feel like I can figure it out, 
And thankfully, I don't think it sounds like shit yet. So that's, yeah. that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's the best podcast I've ever been on. Oh, well, thank you. It might be the only one, but it, it, it's also... <laughs> it also makes me feel better. <laughs> With the, the actual recording of the record then, so not only are you recording, but you're learning how to record and then writing everything while the world is ending. Is that is that basically the, the idea? So we're trying to get all the songs done before the world ends. Just barely made it. Yeah, really? that's, that's incredible. The problem is now we have a whole set of albums worth of new songs. So <laughs> yeah, we got to make it in time. So for Kismet, you guys have been around for a little bit. I want to hear about how you guys came together. Because I think Chris and I met almost 10 years ago at least. And you guys have been kicking ass ever since. And then I also know a little bit. So with with Chris, I remember um, Planet Nova as far as what you were trying to like book while COVID was happening, too. So I want to get into that a little bit as well. But let's talk about how the band came to be. Kismet formed and uh, a bunch of childhood friends. Then you fast forward about eight years which is where this lineup becomes relevant. So we'll go and get into that part because that's where it gets good. Um, <laughs> so we, uh, we did the first album. It was kind of a rushed thing. So it was one of those, if we didn't do the album, we wouldn't get to travel. Right. That was a huge goal is, you know, we'll make a couple okay songs. But as long as we get on the road, we're solid. And so we had like two really well-recorded songs. The rest of the album was kind of, you could tell it was rushed. Really? You could tell it was amateur. But we got the tour. The way we got the tour, too, is originally playing a showcase show uh, for the band Wicked Martyr, which is okay. where two guitar players and a drummer came from. <laughs> they lost a couple members. We lost a couple members. And it was just like a perfect fusion of awesomeness. And then kept the moniker Kismet, hit the road. And then a year later, got this guy Mikey in the band. That changed the world. <laughs> <laughs> really did, man. He's our, he's our Chilean guitar player. Yeah. And then uh, fast forward another year, and we're we're done with we're done with promoting that that first album. We go into record the the first song for the album, which is coincidentally track five on this album. Okay. Live, and we got the instrumentals done, and then that was the last we heard from our singer at the time for about six months. Oh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was a huge shock, and we we kind of waited as long as we could. Like we kept it very quiet because we didn't know anything, and we didn't want to start spreading rumors. Like last thing we want to do is just say talk about things that we don't know. Right. So we did a bunch of shows, which we had already lined up with you know multiple fill-in singers, and finally after six months, we we're like, all right, we gotta we gotta get the, the second album going, man. And then it wasn't for another year of like vocal trials where we found this guy. That's crazy. So. He just kind of ghosted you guys, or he just kind of disappeared. Straight yeah, straight up, dude. And yeah. when we finally heard from him, we were like, "Oh man, you're still alive!" <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. Like, good to hear. Like we, we literally, we literally got off of tour. the tour, the Project Independent tour that we, the showcase thing that yeah. we got. Yeah. And within like a couple months after that, he literally just this wouldn't beat. answer back to anything. Obviously, we had a lot of stuff starting to line up and all that right. stuff. Because of that, we met a lot of different bands. We were going to set up a lot of different East Coast tours and all. Right. All of a sudden, we just couldn't get in touch with them. And then it like days became the weeks and weeks became months. And it was just like we just didn't even know where we stood as a band at that point. And we had so much stuff that was right in our grasp and, you know, just couldn't give answers because we didn't know ourselves what was going on. That's got to feel a little shitty to be like 
close to what feels like getting more work done and more message out and more music out. And then just that one person was like, ha fuck you guys. Like we're, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be around and I'm not going to communicate. Like that's, that's not a fun time. It was three steps forward, 10 steps back. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was, it was a we're, huge setback. We were pretty salty. Was, I was at least, I know I was salty. <laughs> it was kind of like that scene in the last Lord of the Rings where like Frodo, he's finally about to throw that ring in there, but instead of throwing it in, he puts it on and dips. It's like, <laughs> I sat through nine hours of cinema for this moment and you bail. You son of a bitch. <laughs> That's a pretty good uh, comparison. I like that. That's, oh man. All right, so then vocal tryouts happen, and we find the the singer that we have now, Steven. So what what happened with that? Like, are are you guys like six months in, being like, well, I guess we're we got to keep moving forward, right? Like, was that the conversation that you guys were having? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, to be honest, I'm not. I was the guy that like uh, like a month or two into it, I was like, hey guys, let's fucking let's fucking move on. Yeah, we got to move on. Yeah. But we were all. Like we all kind of agreed, no, let's you know, when we hear from him, we gotta give him a chance and shit. And he, yeah. he did come back and try out again, but that was after Steven had already done his audition and everything. So he mainly Steven's energy at the audition was what it was his energy and his drive. He just it's, yeah. it's just a fit. So we were like, yeah, he fit with our, our it's just energy a fit. as a band. That's that's fantastic because it's hard to find that chemistry too. Yeah, that was the biggest thing. Like when we were trying out singers, it was like there's a lot of that awkward, like, yeah, so what's your name? Okay, cool. What do you like to do? <laughs> with him, it's like I remember showing up and already like ah. there's just this laughter in my ear. Like, like already everyone's <laughs> yeah, it's his laugh, man. His legendary laugh. And it was just like, yo, something about this dude, just like it, there's like it just seems natural right now. Yeah. yeah, my thing was just his drive, like instantly, just his drive to want to learn more songs. And like, we told him we wanted to come back for another audition. You know, we liked what we heard, come back for another one. And like, he came back and just like, just gave it even more. And just like the way he was talking and everything was just like, all right, like we, we found our next guy, you know, and it just, you can see it's, the just, work it's just stuck ever since, you know, and we actually wrote this album for a while like it's, mm -hmm. it's been a while since we put the other one out but we really wanted to make sure everyone's on the same page you know not just rush right. not rush something you know right. so you know but ever since then like he's just been the guy so well it sounds like it's paid off from just me listening to the this release like it it, it just sounds like everything flows together really really well and everything's balanced which is what i like because I I've booked metal acts so much that a lot of it gets really muddy and sounds so similar that it's it's really hard to kind of like break from a mold, especially when it comes to like heavy music, because it is very much chug 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 breakdowns, just yelling in your face for a little bit and having a having fun, which definitely what you guys all have, right? And that that's prevalent like right away. <laughs> but having having that balance between especially like the clean vocals and and the the screaming vocals and then just the the way that everything sounds cohesive with this album is fantastic and shows kind of like the chemistry between all of you guys which is great steve what were you doing before that tryout oh man uh, i actually 
<laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I actually been in several bands. You know, actually kind of speaking to the drive, humbly, of course, that, you know, has already been spoken of. I've actually been removed from a couple of bands because I just have a certain tolerance where, you know, I mean, of course, you're going to have to work with people no matter what. I've always, right. you know, being in a band is like a marriage of five people. It's a commitment. <laughs> And you're going to have, there's going to be give and take, and there's going to be shit that you don't want to swallow that everybody has to swallow. And it just sucks. But, yeah, guys. Start but, swallowing. But, <laughs> Sorry. but it, it really is the determination. And I think it's the, it's the commitment over time and that gets things done. So before this, I mean, I was honestly in a band called East of Eden. We were doing really well for ourselves for personal reasons. I had to depart from it. Okay. Long story short, fast forward a year. I hadn't been doing vocals for consistently for about a year. And Chris hit me up and he's like, Hey man, you want to audition? <laughs> and give it honestly, at the time I was I was absolutely thrilled. Right. What I mean, like I, I had seen them probably a couple years prior. Okay. With the singer that um, unfortunately I'm replaced. Yeah. Yeah. Long story short is I saw him. I loved their energy at the show. I love, yeah. I, I saw him at Casey's music alley. Ironically enough, it was really funny because uh, the singer in one of the moments of the songs actually put, gave me the mic to let me scream one of the lines. And it's actually really funny where I'm standing today. It's kind of just <laughs> super funny. Uh, anyway, thanks man. Uh, anyway, <laughs> So, uh, no, I, I really was just kind of focusing on my family and on my, on my work. Okay. And when Chris hit me up. And so and here we are today, three and a half years later, four years later. That's fantastic. How did everybody uh, start playing music? Because I, I always love hearing the history of everything and how you guys actually started. Because everybody has a, usually a pretty unique story with it so if anybody wants to to give me something first I, I i'd love to hear it yeah i can i can go first i come from a family of people who just they're musicians okay i'm from chile so over there they do like street art they do music they do paintings it's just and my uncle just kind of pushed metal onto me okay you know and check, check this out check this out and little by little you know i just picked up a guitar one day and that's that's how it started my uncle trying to influence and then trivia, and then trivium happens. And then trivium, <laughs> <laughs> then trivium happened, and, you know, all that remains, and a bunch of other bands, and it was over from then. Once I had it in my hand, like that was it. That's fantastic. I've been doing it ever since. How about you, Chris? Uh, for me, I, I know I started like listening to metal, like just as a, or just just music in general. Like I think I was in like second or third grade. Like I remember being really young <laughs> okay. and just seeing, you know, different people performing. Uh, on different like, music shows, and like that's what I want to do, and so I just kind of like hang out with my friends. And I'll just like start singing different hooks, uh, things that might be catchy, just things that would pop in my head. And once, uh, once I moved uh, away from where I was living, you know, I didn't have any friends. So I was like, man, I need something to do. And yeah. so my dad got a drum set. I thought that was cool, but like I just didn't get the concept. <laughs> right. The idea of like sitting down and trying to rock out just doesn't make sense to me. Right. And I didn't want to play guitar like my dad. I wanted to be different. So I was like, you know, let me play bass. So he was a guitar player that got you a drum kit. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think he just wanted a drum kit. He wanted jam. to jam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is cool. Nothing wrong with that. And me being this spiteful, like, 
Yeah, I'm like, no, I don't want to hang out with you, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he can shred all over me, though. Well, I just think it's funny because there's so many people that start with drums for some reason, and it's the loudest and biggest instrument, and you're just letting kids play with it all the time. How yeah. do you even listen to that? I, I, don't, I don't get it. I, I would be like, look, you're going out in the shed. I'm not even playing around with you. Go with your iPad and, and your drums over there if you want, but that's about it. I think that was just his way of keeping the shade off him, because this way, like, it's like, oh, he's jamming Cliffs of Dover super loud, but do you hear what the kid upstairs is doing? Someone tell him to shut the hell up. Instead of him. So there was like, finally, it's kind of quiet. It's just loud guitar now. <laughs> nice. so, so I'll tell you how that works is I'm the drummer, Anthony, and my dad is actually a drummer as well. So okay. that helps a lot. You know, he's a drummer, so he, he'll listen to me play and all that because he loves it. He's a drummer. Right. My dad's always been a musician his whole life. So my mom loved it. He, she met my dad in, you know, school and then went to a show and just has supported him ever since. And then I just picked it up as well and listened to him and pretty much just learned from him how to play and would just listen to him play. And then when I was about 14, 15, I started playing drums and then I met Steve-O, the guitar, other guitar player in the band. Yeah. And we started jamming and then we formed Wicked Martyr right. was a local Northern Virginia band. And we started playing with Kismet a lot um, at shows. And then, like Chris said earlier, when they lost some members, we lost some members. It just worked perfectly to join. And we became Kismet as the lineup now with the add-in of Mikey and Steven. But my dad's been playing forever. So that's where I came. That That's where I got it from. And just trying to, trying to carry it on and just do what I love to do. And He'll be there every step of the way, so it's just awesome. Yeah. Who's the better drummer? Oh man, his dad. No, no, I think technically it gets him, but his dad is still. Like, no, I just learned from him, so it's just yeah, it is really good. Yeah, shout out Hot Buttered Elvis. Hey man, yeah. Hot Buttered Elvis. He used to play uh, drums for a band called Meatman. <laughs> that poured around with Guar a bunch of times. Yeah, okay. He's just done it forever, done the touring thing and all that. And, you know, I was at home with the mom and all that. He helped us out. So (laughs) now he's on the other end helping us get there. So that's beautiful. I like that. So Steve, we haven't heard from you as far as how you got started playing music. So it started, my mom bought me as a kid, but I didn't touch it for a solid like four years. Okay. I think at 14 or so, I picked it up. For a while, it was uh, I played the drums too. Like Ed said, every, I think you said that. everyone starts out on the drums, right? It's so, so weird. I, yeah, I started I was, out on a snare, so yeah. I know. I played the drums, <laughs> like, I think a year or so on the drums. Oh, the drums so are the best. Yeah, with uh, I think he uh, he mentioned our buddy Lewis who played in Wicked Martyr. Yeah. So he was playing guitar with uh, you know with me, and I was drums. And that was really like the start of when we kind of I kind of realized that uh, music was my thing because. And I also, it helped that I had really supportive parents. My mom and my dad both, get whatever instrument I wanted to switch to, they were like, you know, here, I'll buy you the starter one and then see if you like it. Yeah, it took off from there. Eventually, I switched to the guitar. Yeah, get a couple of uh, first act guitars and uh, you'll be all right. Exactly, yeah. 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 Started, like, a Strat yeah. starter pack? Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I started with. <laughs> I <don't know>. TV guitar. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if that's still a thing. 
I think they just have amps. I don't yeah. even know if they have amps anymore. Uh, they do. They do starter oh, packs. They definitely they do starter packs. They're some of the best amps. Too. Yeah, they do starter packs. <laughs> I haven't seen a PV in fucking forever. Oh man, you get a fifty-one fifty bourbon. That thing is. I see them on Reverb.com a lot for like eighty <laughs> bucks. I'm always like, you know, what? I like. I want to just like stock up on cheap guitars. Yeah. This way, whenever there is a good opportunity to grab it, PV bass. <laughs> <laughs> we just play one of. Uh, if we're playing, say, a show at like Hooligans in Jacksonville, North Carolina, we <laughs> grab that TV bass, and then at the end of the show, maybe just smash the bass to look cool. I mean, whatever you you need to do to like separate yourself from the crowd, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, like the throws out. Yeah. I say set them on fire, but I don't think that you could do that inside certain venues. That's- in a venue, that might be a little rough, right? Oh, actually, the uh, it's funny bring up there we go bring up fire. That was actually the fate of my first drum set. Really, we were we were crazy kids, man. We uh poured a bunch of like WD forty or sprayed with WD forty and set on fire and started throwing the drum set at each other. We start with the toms. Wait, 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 uh, hold on. Yeah, it escalated. (laughs) (laughs) This is how quickly that escalated. Where were your parents? Uh, yeah, hopefully they don't hear this. Um, (laughs) They were being responsible and being at work. Okay. And uh, I was not. (laughs) It was like a cheap $80 kit, maybe. And we we started with the toms and like, so we'd let it throw it on or let it on fire, throw it at whoever had the axe or sledgehammer which we use as a baseball bat okay that's how it ended man so dad that's how the drum set got burned (laughs) (laughs) that's how you break from the mold sorry dude i'm just i'm just thinking like nowadays kids would never do that because they have like ipads and like oh yeah they don't go outside we were the last generation to actually grow up outside right Oh man, that's that's fucking wild. It's crazy to think about. <laughs> I lived outside. Were you in the backyard when this happened, or like in the middle of the woods? We were kind of in the side, like in between the two houses. <laughs> so there was like it could have easily been bad. Things mm-hmm. could have escalated even further. Like it was not yeah. safe. There was no supervision. <laughs> uh, and, and honestly there was really no logic or thought behind it it was like hey you want to like set your drum set on fire it's like I'm not using it I don't give a shit <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized it was being like it was being thrown it's like well the only logical thing is to hit it with something like an ass <laughs> oh that's that's fantastic I, I, I really like that I'm just imagining someone like walking down the street or like driving by and then just seeing fucking kids just throw in flames, like buckets of flames at, at that point for the Toms. This isn't backwards. Like, there's neighbors. Like, <laughs> right. you can easily see. Looking out maybe their bedroom window, houses. like, oh my there's gosh. There's like 30 feet between the house. That is not safe. If there are any kids listening that eventually listen to this, I just want them to know that, like, being destructive. It's not as cool as it looks. It's way cooler. And that it's, <laughs> it's totally fun. If you're, if you're gonna do it, do it while you're young. Crass. Yeah. Because the more you get, the less cool it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you just think about like what stuff costs when you get older. Yeah. yeah. It costs more the older you get, it seems weird. Yeah. Yeah. So when when you get older, like you you think uh, oh, that, that eighty dollars can actually like pay for gas. 
and like yeah. food and, and some other shit. Like, yeah, yeah I, I might not want to set it on fire yet, but we'll find out. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just natural evolution how you view things. It's like you know, like I gotta buy this shit. It <laughs> sucks. So with with you guys as a, a band, when did Steve join to fill out the lineup? Uh, so I think that was maybe like 2016. Okay. It was when I put out that Christmas uh, <laughs> on YouTube because Steven was delivered to us actually in the box. Yeah. <laughs> oh really? Oh really? Yeah, so we we documented it. We'll have to say we documented it and put it on YouTube. Yeah, we have it out. It's a Kismet Christmas special. It's on YouTube. Oh, okay, okay. I'll have to make sure that I link that with the uh, the show notes because that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> you can get to see Chris in his skivvies. Mm. I mean, what's new? If you go to if you go to one of our shows, chances are you'll see him in his skivvies. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's that's in 2016. So when do you guys start playing out with him? Is it almost like immediately? So I had one month. I started at the beginning of December. My first show was a New Year's Eve show. I had one month yep. to write ten songs <laughs> and memorize them together, bro. And learn three of their old ones. So I had my work cut out for me. Yeah. And obviously, he uh, did it. Yeah. No, it was, <laughs> it was good, man. I mean, honestly, I think it was kind of cool. Because in a way, where I was, like I said before, I hadn't I hadn't been playing for a while, you know, mm-hmm. before, before I joined and stuff like that. I was kind of taking it easy, just focus on my work. And like, well, what is what my wife now? Right. It was it was kind of cool because it it forced me to sink my teeth into something. It it brought it it gave me a challenge that I had not had in a long time, and I was. I think that's part of the reason why I was so driven too. just right off the bat was just because like, this is what music is about. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is what, this is, this is what it is. This is the business. This is learning how to think on the spot and hopefully being able to provide a product that's worth, you know, everyone's hard earned money. And I think at the end of the day with this album, that's exactly what we provided. At least it's what I hope. I love that because I don't think a lot of people have that kind of thought for standards or thought for like the the overall quality because they just want to play stuff, right? They want to play something that's that's kind of cool that that whatever they're feeling at that moment or whatever, right? So maybe the the end product because unfortunately music as an art is a commodity at that point because people will spend some money on it. You want to get paid for doing stuff that you like doing, right? So when it comes to that, I don't know if if everybody kind of has that that same mindset. It sounds like everybody in this band kind of has that same mindset though because they're all fairly driven to actually keep going. With this lineup, it's been 4 years since you've had that and you're putting out a record, like I said, in inside of a pandemic that you recorded yourselves. So that drive and that passion for it sounds like it's fully there for everybody, right? To be perfectly honest, man, we literally put ourselves in the consumer seat with this album. That's fantastic. And we we wanted to kind of reach back, especially with designing the artwork for the physical copies and everything. Like we wanted to go shout out to the days we grew up in when we were looking at albums and like it was everything to have that, to have it felt it was something personal from the band, it felt. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And we wanted to provide that same thing, same experience, unwrapping the plastic, you know, smelling the, smelling the shipping. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know it's not weird, but that's the shit we grew up with. Yeah, and it doesn't happen often anymore. Like, vinyl has become a thing again, which is cool. Like, you can shop for vinyl, but it's still very much a niche thing where you're still, like, ordering from the internet for the most part. You're not really having that experience in the store, right? Right, and... We want our fans to take this album personally because we made it personally for them. That's beautiful. I like that. I like that a lot. I think it comes off pretty well. And also, I was telling Chris the 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 ending track on there is like that. That's perfect, and that's what I want the the show to end with as well. Like that's that's just a like a fucking perfect ending for that. But for me, it shows that that fun side that you guys have too. So I won't talk too much about it because that's kind of a little secret. Last last second thing, but <clears throat> I do I do really like that again because of the, the balance between you know that that heavy heartfelt shit that goes throughout the whole record, and then oh you guys actually have fun, which obviously translates into like your live shows and everything else too. Absolutely. So I do want to ask Mikey, when when did you move to the states? It was like 2001, like a little before 9/11 happened, because I remember I went to school for a little bit, and then we got rushed home because of something. Right. Something a little serious, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really serious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you remember anything about Chile versus the States when it comes to music at all? Yeah, man. I don't know if it's just Chile, but at least where I was from, which is Quillota, it's like two hours away from Santiago. Okay. But everybody, well, at least my family and everybody we associated with, like everybody was either an artist or a musician or they were like, Whatever they were, it was something to do with arts, and they were very like expert at it. That's awesome. It wasn't something they took lightly. So whenever, like, I mean, that's what drives me with guitar and the way I play. He's always leveling up. Yeah, like you know what I'm saying. Like you choose what you want to do, you gotta excel at it. Yeah, that's fantastic because that that drive isn't necessarily always there, especially to to think about it as a financial stability thing too. Yeah. With you guys, with with this lineup in, from 2016, it sounds like the the idea of to be a sustainable band is also in there too, right? Absolutely. And with that comes, you know, growing progression. Like you can never stop. You know, you can never be at one level. You always got to get better. You always got to do better than what you. Yeah, a, you always have so, to evolve as an artist. Absolutely. Yeah. So you got to give the people what they want, and they don't want something that's going to stay the same. They want something to grow. They're they're growing as well, so you know, like music can grow with you. Absolutely, right. Which we we kind of see throughout some bands that have been around forever is that their their sound definitely evolves or devolves depending on who you talk to. Yeah. For some reason, I've been listening to a lot of Incubus for the, like the past month. I can only get past like the first three albums, and then everything else after that is just. Not great. Mm-hmm. I love that album, though. Make yourself. I think that's the name of the album, right? Make yeah. yourself. Yeah. yeah. That's that the that's the last one that I can really like listen to and enjoy, and that makes me sad. I, I'm the kind of the same way because the next couple albums only have like one or two good songs, in my opinion, per album. You know what I mean? Yeah. Turn to this like radio acoustic rock, which is cool on the radio, but coming from what they came from, like, you miss that energy. There's yeah. nothing to replace that. For sure. And it was it was weird. So I went to Riot Fest in Chicago a couple years back and they played. And when they were on stage, everybody flocked to them. And I was like, they they haven't had like a good record in about like 10 years. What the fuck are, is everybody doing? And it 
it was packed to the gills. They had um, Run the Jewels was the other one that I was just like fully impressed by. And they closed out the whole festival. But it seemed like they had the same amount of people that Incubus did, which just blew my mind. Because for me, just seeing them like drop off for me, music quality wise was is just insane that that energy, like what you guys were talking about, coming from Fungus Among Us, Science and Make Yourself, like it just doesn't it doesn't hit the way that I, I want it to for sure. Well, Incubus obviously was really good. Obviously, in the beginning, obviously, like you said, the first three albums, you know, what I mean, like, and I think what what we're stumbling across the topic of longevity. Yeah, you know what I mean, and and really what. It, what I think it really boils down to is, and this is just my personal opinion, but it's how much of willing, how much of yourself are you willing to put into? Because you could only you know keep I mean? evolving. If and if your fans are evolving, and you're not, and you're evolving, and you guys don't evolve the same way, it's just like any other relationship. If you guys have to part ways. Unfortunately, that's the case. You'll, but you'll find new fans. And I think that I think just like any other artist, it's probably extremely hard. And probably a very hard struggle to keep that longevity over 30 plus 20 or sorry, 20 plus years or so. Yeah. Yeah. So I do, I do want to give them some credit on that. For sure. For sure. And one of the things that I'll, I'll say that you, you touched on earlier too, is making music with your audience in mind is very important. I feel like, but also knowing who your audience is, Absolutely. I think all the time of how I can connect with, with anybody that listens to the show even more. And try to get like a pulse of what they're looking for, of what they want, of their feedback. And just to hear you guys already kind of have that idea of, okay, we know what our audience is and we want to really make a record for them as well. Right. The end result being what it is, is is great, which I, I really, really like. So I know Chris has a little bit of history of booking and it sounds like everybody has kind of a, the, the whole idea of music and and being in touring bands and all that stuff so the the booking of your your tours and just everything kismet wise did any of that translate to you booking shows for any other people too that's actually how uh, like our a couple of our tours went down was just through uh show trading okay like hey if, if you can help us get a show out in your neck of the woods we'll help you out in our neck of the woods like we'll take care of all logistics um, but even before that, I was booking uh, just a, a few shows like once a week or once a month at a Casey's in Fredericksburg. Yeah. Um, and I loved it just because I got to meet more people and bands that I knew existed. And I got to hear more bands. Like, and basically, I got to see shows for free. And all I had to do is just look at IDs. It was awesome. Yeah, that, that's pretty nice. And I, it was cool, man. Just so, like, once a month, I would see just all sorts of different original like raw untouched unprocessed music and i thought it just it keeps me inspired because like i'll see something new i'm like oh, i want i want to make something that's kind of like that or yeah see what they're listening to and like just from seeing all their local bands like my my catalog of bands i listen to is just massive man no i mean and every time we play with any band you know we always like grab the cd yeah everybody we play with we listen to that's fantastic because at that then helps figure out what you guys may mesh with and what you can possibly like figure out who you can tour with too. And yeah. possibly point other bands in a direction that might be better for them. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what it's all about. It's just trying to scratch each other's backs and trying to help each you other. Out and and you learn how each band works. You learn how, you know, people's personalities are, whatever. So you know what mm -hmm. bands, you know, to help with who and mm -hmm. 
vice versa, who can't play with us, who can't play with us. And we were actually uh, talking about like a, uh, a tour story yesterday at practice. <laughs> we were doing the Project Independent Tour. Uh, one of the bands that we got close with called Ornamental from Florida. Mm-hmm. We would joke a lot with them in, uh, in Tampa at the Brass Mug. Uh, like after each show, we a uh, band would get interviewed. Um, and they were getting interviewed and we were outside finishing loading our gear and we were like, yo, let's go like, let's go bomb their interviews. So we, all, <laughs> we all stripped down to our underpants. And uh, as we're doing it, this other band that we've been playing a couple shows with called Dollhouse Scandal from St. Scandal, Louis. Yeah. So sick. Without even asking, like they're like, yo, so we're what are we doing? What are we doing? Worrying about the situation as they're participating. And it, it was like, you know, we, we miss that. Like, it was great. It was great, man. Like, and the they're getting their interview stories. done. Yeah, we just jump in and once I think that's like every metal band, right? That, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's minus the blue jeans and black t-shirts. It's like <laughs> people always think like, you know, bands on their off time are looking for like strip joints and stuff. It's like, where's the best? Where's the best pizza joint around here? Or hey, can I get a shower? Right, right. I think it's funny because like out of all the bands that I know, the the ones that have like the the best personalities for the most part and that are always just like the wildest and doing the, the craziest shit are metal bands. And they're all just they're so funny for some reason. But they try to be so serious on stage because obviously stage presence is a thing, right? For me personally, this is my therapy. This mm-hmm. is where I put all, all, all of the things that I don't need in here is going out here. Yeah. So that's where I get to be serious, and then everything else is playtime. <laughs> oh, that that's got to be so much fun too to just be on tour and just be like, we're gonna fuck someone's interview up. We enhanced it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a better that's a better word. We yeah. Natural interview enhancement bill. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's the last show of the tour, so we are going home regardless. So we are- <laughs> I really like that. That's that's so much fun. The there's a, a band here called Alica and RJ from there, yeah, he's always doing goofy shit. And it's fantastic. Okay, they're awesome. But you you always see like for for me, the the one that I've been booking, I I used to book shows so much and book metal bands so much that just seeing them break kayfabe once they're yeah. off stage oh, yeah. it, it's so wonderful because you realize that they're they're just a regular goofy person oh, yeah. it's fantastic for sure. yeah, yeah, we're like us we're the same all the way through man we, yeah, we, no, we just, just get before the stage during the stage and after yeah, we're still gonna no, be the same person yeah they're just a whole different style man they're so fucking brutal but like you can tell they all love like they have they have just as much fun on stage as we do you know it's you know it might be shown a different way sometimes but it's just the way it is and it's like those all those guys are really cool and 
Uh, we even played like mini shows with RJ back when he was singing with uh, Arabella and all yeah. that. They were awesome too. So there's a lot of fun shows in Fredericksburg with them. So yeah, so that was going to be one of my one of my questions actually. So we were talking a little bit about community and like building that up. Fredericksburg is is a little oddity kind of for me, just on the the outside looking in, because for me being in Southern Maryland. Fredericksburg always felt to me like it was bigger than what it was. And then also the venues keep going in and out. So closing, opening, it's it's harder to play there a lot of times. I don't know if you guys have any kind of like insight or any thoughts about that at all, but it's a rough thing. So I think Fredericksburg is kind of like the uh like the diamond in the rough. Like everyone, you look at a map and you're like, okay, let's look at the East Coast. DC, Richmond. Florida. Right. But Fredericksburg, man, like there's really? so many amazing bands come from Fredericksburg. And I've seen so many amazing bands like, you know, Elysium, yeah. Diablo, Ashes Rain. Yeah. I think they're more from Charlottesville. Okay. But yeah, I mean, there's just so many amazing bands that have come from the area. Beyond My Flesh from back in the day, Black Matter Device. And the venues the is, asylum. you know, this island. Casey's was a, a bigger venue in, in Fredericksburg just because of its size. You yeah. Know, it could, I think the capacity just in the room alone was like yeah. Also, when we're talking about the band, like that. shout out Tempo Not. Oh, Tempo Not. Tempo Not. We missed but, them uh, on that. Woo! But yeah, a lot of venues have come and gone, like you said yeah, in Fredericksburg. Uh, a couple of the hard times have shut down. Um, there's still the one that's down there that does bands, but they don't really do, you know, like metal and hard rock stuff that right. much anymore. It's more country and like EDM style isn't enough metal venues right now but like you said like it they a few will pop up here and there and like try to you know do something and then some make it a little bit and then others you know will just you know fail pretty quick and it's just casey's is starting to do shows again so if they can get their stuff together they can bring national acts there that's places yeah that's what i remember the most is that casey's was just like a big force in the music scene for just this whole area. Yeah. And when it shut down, I felt like there was a big piece that was missing from this area. And Jack's and Springfield yeah. was down. Yeah. Yeah, Jack's RIP. I think that was probably the like the biggest blow to the the metal scene. Oh, Northern Virginia for Our sure. Area. Yeah. yeah. Jackson Empire slash Empire. They they were that kind of middle ground in between Richmond DC and, and Richmond, DC, yeah. you know. And then once they fell through, it really fell on to, to Fredericksburg. And, you know, Fredericksburg's always had its city venues and its, you know, old downtown historic vibe. But PC's was really the only one that could pull the national act size show. Yeah, it was big. Yeah. Like I said, they're starting to do shows again. And we played we played one, like, not too long ago. Was it right before, was, uh, right before lockdown? Right before okay. all the Corona stuff happened, we had a pretty good show there. Actually, a lot of people Casey's. showed up, and then all the stuff happened. And they've still been having shows, but of course, with all the capacity stuff, it's just kind of you know you can't really have you know a bunch of people come out. The place only can allow seventy people, and you got a hundred right. people that oh, want to come. Nice. It's you know it, it's just messed up. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole other thing with like our seed to release thing. We want to do receive release show but we want to make sure that everyone that wants to come out can come out 
Yeah, you got to do it safe and within all the guidelines and whatnot. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. With with not being able to really like play in your own backyard a little bit, what was your kind of thinking when stuff like Casey's goes away? Was there a thought to be like, okay, well, we can possibly find a spot for ourselves in the area, or was the the focus more on spreading out? I know our goal is to you know get our music out to as many people as possible. And whenever we do play shows here, like we wanted to be something awesome for the community. And I know whenever we set up around shows, like we we usually try to hand pick who we play with, and we, like we always do it for our friends first and foremost. So like as soon as we play shows, you know, I'm pretty sure Tempo Knots to be the first band we ask. Also, they've always been the first band that we've asked. But yeah, our our goal is just do it. Honestly, just do whatever we can, just make the most of it. You know, whether it be going on tour or doing a local show, it's always just make it the most fun night until the next most fun night. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. It, and it helps too because Planet Nova is like, you know, even if places are getting shut down here and there, we always have Planet Nova that we can play at. It's like a home base. It's like, a, like a, yeah. I don't know, when all else fails, like you can still come to see us. If you want to see us, here's where you can see us. Yeah, that's that's always a really good thing. I've talked about it a little bit before of like oversaturating your market, but obviously you can't fucking do that at all right now. So it doesn't matter. But having that home base and having that back pocket to where you can actually play in your home area is fantastic because we don't have that in my area really anymore at all. We had memories for a while that allowed original music to play and heavy music to play. But now that that's gone, there's not a whole lot of options for especially heavy music. Now the bars have kind of opened up for original tunes and that's taken a lot of effort from the musicians in the area mm-hmm. and them coming together and saying, hey, you know, we're all adults. We can all drink now so we can all go to the same bar and we can all play music now. But having having that that heavy music outlet isn't there. Having something like Planet Nova to where you can always kind of fall back on has to feel pretty solid, especially because I, I think you guys opened during like the lockdowns too i think right yeah we opened in july so it was just as virginia went back into a uh, phase three i think it was okay i know for me as being like the guy that you know handles the entertainment there it was a little uncomfortable just because there's you know half the people you know at the time thought oh COVID, it's just a blue nah, nah, and the other half is definitely terrified of it right i got to hear everything from everybody and I just I was just kind of the face that I kind of dealt with it. It's like, look, I don't want to get sick, so I'm making sure that when I go to the establishment, I'm not going to get sick. Which mm-hmm. means you're not going to get sick. And also, uh, the dude I'm working it with, he is like an OCD germaphobe. <laughs> the second he sees anyone breathe, <laughs> he's wiping that thing down, dude. Like he is, he is on it. So, so it is, it is <laughs> I, and I'm not saying this out of biases, it is the cleanest place you will ever go to. Super clean. I can vouch because I'm the bartender there. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. But I also like the idea of someone being super OCD in a metal club or like just a, like a concert venue because most of them are all dirty and gross, as I'm sure that all of you know. Yep. There's a whole show, man. He's serving drinks and like wiping everyone's hands down. It's the bathrooms are still clean. Yeah, the cleanest bathroom in Nova. 
You wouldn't it, when you're standing in the bathroom, you would not believe you're in a metal venue. That's, that's, that's true. It's, it's incredible, man. It's incredible. That's uh that's pretty impressive, actually. Like that, because when I when I go to shows and that bathroom smells the way that it does, I don't want to be in it. Fucking graffiti everywhere, band stickers covering every inch of everything. That looks dope, though. I like yeah, that. No, I if I if I had my own place, I would ban that shit. I would be like, look, we have a wall that you can put it on outside somewhere else. Don't put it in the bathroom. Put it on the front <laughs> fucking door, not in the bathroom. You gotta what? have you gotta have a tattooed bathroom. <laughs> I can't lie though. When, I, got to. when we go to those venues, I'm the guy that puts our sticker right in the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're gonna piss? Okay, piss you know what? Iris, sorry, I'm that guy. They might be pissing you on the sticker. You gotta give Steve kudos for that, honestly, man. They might be pissing on the sticker, but they know what that sticker is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always impressed at how long they last. Yeah. yeah. What does P do to stickers? <laughs> it gives them longevity. Scientists have not figured this out, I don't think. See, this is where the trick is you get the high gloss vinyl. Oh, okay, okay. The matte vinyl wears off. Ah, okay. You've done your research. You've you've pee tested all of these, have you? <laughs> I do know. Just so, so everyone, like everyone that buys the Kismet seat or a Kismet T-shirt, everything gets the piss test. <laughs> Every piece of merch. I almost choked on my drink. So thanks, thanks for that. <laughs> I can just imagine you getting all this merch and then just pissing all over it and be like, all right, that's the last. We'll wash it. It's fine. It'll be all right. Or fuck it. Don't even wash it. Add a little flavor to it. Be like, this is this is your next special edition. Yeah, special edition. It pissed on this Kelly B3. Golden shower edition. <laughs> what do you think is one of your your more favorite or more memorable times on the road for you guys? For me, I would have to say Tennessee. We'll be doing Tennessee. I almost died with some hot wings. <laughs> oh, Nashville. And I, got, and I got pretty drunk, so I took myself to the car like I always do. And they just piled shit on top of me and drove over. <laughs> <up. laughs> I forgot. Oh, so well. gear is like falling all on top of this guy. We look back, and all we see is just legs hanging out from the back of the van. There's like guitar cases and guitar heads. Drums and like shit. I'm telling you, they piled it all on top of me. It was like, all right, close the door, drove home. You weren't, well, you wouldn't move. We tried to get you to move, so we were like, fuck it, we're going home with Kyle's gear on it. Yeah. So it's like one of those cartoons where just something falls on him and you only see the legs. Exactly. Yeah. But he's snoring. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite moments was when Anthony locked the keys in the vehicle. Oh, that's also Nashville. <laughs> Didn't I get him out? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he got it up with a garden stick thing. Garden <laughs> stick. Dude, like a fucking hook. genius, though, dude. Like a total <laughs> champion. Save the day, dude. Even to the Spanish guy to open the car. <laughs> Uh, your words not right. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I mean, it's okay to break in a car if it's yours, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's not yours. Don't do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. Oh shit. Exclusive. Uh, exclusive. Uh, exclusive. <laughs> there's so exclusive. many. That's there's so many. So they they brought up a story that I I I don't know if I forgot or I did my best to forget. <laughs> this is I, the band's favorite. <laughs> So as a collective, this is our favorite. Okay. So I feel like I I don't think I would do that one justice because there was a lot that went through my mind that I I blacked out out of sheer fear. <laughs> and 
Like it was one of those moments where it's like, oh man, I really screwed us over. I thought I was going to get us kicked off the tour. Uh, um, so with that being said, I'm going to say my favorite memory on the road. Oh, you're not going to tell that story? <laughs> what? A, you I built mean, it all up. You you got to at least start it. Wait, there's still two. Here's the too. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with every single one of them has been unique and I cherish them dearly. But this one time in Miami, I believe it was we were um we just played a show. Obviously, that's what you do on tour. We um we go back to the hotel, which uh the the manager of the band Ornamental, she was like, here, like, here's your hotel key. It's this room. And it's like 303A. Okay. Like, oh, cool. It's, it's one of those joint rooms. They just gave us a key. Like, here, this is yours. Yeah, we got a room for the night. Say, so, just okay, keep guys. that in mind. Like, oh, damn, they looked out. Say, yeah. we got a room. So we show up at like freaking 1 a.m., maybe 2 a.m. And, uh, you know, we slide it. It's like, oh, hell yeah, it works. We use our hotel key to get right. into our hotel room. <laughs> we go in there and there's bags all over the place. Oh, you know what? Maybe it's A is us and B is probably for the rest of the tour package. Which, okay, that's that's fine. We'll just, you know, we'll share the room. Cool. We'll, we'll just you know, work around their stuff. You know, as long as we don't touch their stuff, we're good. Yeah. You know, we were very respectful. Um, we were just they all kind of like... touch anything. This, something seems... Sketchy. Weird, yeah. This is yeah. not what we're expecting, but yeah. it's like you know, it's that's rock and roll. Well, because early in the night, the lady that was doing the interviews, they were saying that they were staying in the same hotel, and we were like, "Yeah, we heard that we're sharing like either the same room or we're like right next to an adjoining <laughs> room." And they were like, "Oh yeah, that's cool, hell yeah." So we just thought once we got in the room, we were just like, "Yeah, that's what she was talking about." All right, cool. <laughs> right. It's like there's that. There's also a bill off this story. So before I finish the story, we're in the hotel room. Stop there. We'll take a commercial break. Um, <laughs> the cameraman for the tour, who was also staying in that room, is the guy who mixed and mastered uh, the album that came out. There's a man. Okay. So Please. if Spuds listen, is you're part of this history too. Hey, you're our guy. And, you're black. and I would love to hear his perspective. So I'd love for him to do a, a setup with you oh, so he can P. tell P. the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but, anyways, back to the story. We're back. So I, I take a shower. And I come out and, you know, of course, I'm butt-ass naked. And immediately, I mean, this is some out of a fucking comedy movie, man. Like, I I bend over to do the go, you know, from the waiting. Uh, so basically, there's my butthole facing the door. Um, <laughs> the second I say, hey, guys, it won't be funny if, like, they walk in right as the... So, so, like, the, tour man, so the tour manager... He stays committed, too. Oh, tour he, manager... He stood the, there. All the crew <laughs> is walking in as Chris's asshole is just... <laughs> Like just wide open for everyone to see that's walking through the front door of the hotel. So, so like for all the tour, they got to know who I was on the outside. Once again, <laughs> they saw the inside. They got to see me on the inside. <laughs> Needless to say, we got kicked out of that. So we start. <laughs> so we start laughing like it's like it's funny. So our guy Spud that mastered the album, really? I can, you can see the smirk on his face, and. But the tour manager, ah, ah, she did that's not all we know what's funny <laughs> that at all. She said, what in the and, fuck? Um, <laughs> needless to say, we got, we got kicked out of the, of the uh, hotel room. 
And we were <laughs> asleep in the van, hot as shit. We were stranded in Florida weather. Yeah, Two in the hot. morning in Miami, it's 85 degrees and like 99% humidity. <laughs> that sounds awful. Was it supposed to be your room or not? So it was, but there was a misunderstanding. So, so this uh, manager of this other band was hooking us up with the room and the tour manager and their and the tour package up with the room. But I guess somewhere down the line there was some miscommunication, and it ended up that we were both told we were in the same room. Oh wow! Yeah, so it was just a freak coincidence. And Chris's ass. <laughs> So we, we finally at like four in the morning we get it set we get it all figured out in an even better room at the place. Nice. Yeah, everybody and now it's four in the morning, so we only had three hours of sleep, get up, and we had to drive from uh, Miami to Tampa for the next show. Which is not a short drive. Four and a half hour drive, yeah. I think. Like I think we had to be there by like what twelve or it was like by like twelve or one. We had to rush. We blew a tire. Blew a tire on our trailer and still beat everyone there. Yeah. After wow. all that bullshit the night Yeah, before. bro. It was crazy. Fucking road dogs. The, the thunder of the of the little <laughs> carry on thing we had in the bed was flying in the air. It was crazy. And then we show up to Tampa and she apologized for yelling at us, which yeah. I thought was very kind of her. I did not apologize for showing that in my bubble. Honestly, I, I was actually waiting for the 20 bucks they should have paid me. I like that. I'm thinking of how hot it is and how gross it is down there. And I'm just glad that you took a shower right before that instead of just having fucking swamp ass. Well, trying to show everything. Oh, it was, it was a bloodbath. Well, maybe not a bloodbath. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. That, that would not be good. That's your kismet exclusive. So, uh, story, story number one. <laughs> so what's your story, Steve? See, what had happened was... Uh, I was going to say, I completely, I don't know. Did you, did you have a, a, an actual one? No, that was, was, I was going to talk about local festival. That, but no, that's no, like the best one. I don't think I can even like, that is mine. Okay, so, so the one I was originally going to tell. Uh-huh. Because uh, honestly, I'm, uh, I don't want to say I'm ashamed of that story. It's just <laughs> not one of my, it, it's cool. Let's it's be not one of your finer moments. Yeah, like if, if my parents saw that, that would have been one of those moments where they just cover their face <laughs> and say, "I'm sorry, my kid is this." You <laughs> watched it happen. So this original story I was going to tell was uh, when we were going down to Loco Fest in 2009 in Palm Beach, Florida. It was Mudvayne, uh, Nonpoint, Head PE in this moment. All when they were kind of like at the, the height of their powers almost, right? Mudvayne's my favorite band. Our singer at the time, his favorite band was Head PE. Okay. It is like dreams coming true. We put all of our gear, drums, cabs, everything into a, a minivan at the time. And there were four of us. And there were only three seats, which means uh, when I wasn't driving, because I was the smallest and the boniest and the gangliest, I had to figure out how to wedge myself into the drums, basically, because that was the only comfortable spot. And of course, you know, you hit a pothole and all of a sudden the hi-hat gets bent on your rim. We showed up and you know, we pulled the hi-hat stand down. It's like bent in like almost a 90 degree angle. And we, we try to bend it back in can, so we put it back on the floor and wait till uh, our drummer at the time looks at it. And he's like, "What the hell happened? <laughs> what happened to your hi hat stand?" 
and just trying to play it off. <laughs> I guess the butthole story is way cooler. <laughs> I mean, it has a little bit more character to it. I just feel like. Sucked in comparison to the butthole. <laughs> well, I, I'm just thinking, like, that has to be one of the more uncomfortable rides that I can think of. It was, it was a freaking... 19 hour trip, I think. That you sat in the drums the entire time with? Uh, no, so in the drums, I was probably only there for maybe six or seven hours. <laughs> like that's that's not even better. That's, that's oh, not in perspective. It's yeah. <laughs> in context. It's just part of the gig, man. <laughs> yeah, like you know, you just have stuff piled on top of you. <laughs> part of the deal, you know. Like the time yeah. will, the time for this to be over will happen. You just your legs sticking out from the fucking gear. <laughs> it's like the Wizard of Oz, but with metal. Right, right. So the moral of the story is just like be as relaxed as possible and have all the shit on you, and then you're gonna have a great day. Just live. Just That's live. Good. I like just that. Live. Just I like live that. it. If it's good, awesome. If it's bad, it's only gonna be bad for so long. Whatever it takes to get to the next city. <laughs> yeah. So I want to go through, I want to know, I want to know what each of you have learned the most about yourself throughout your, your music journey with, with everything that between the butthole stories and, and all the, the other good stuff too. Well, I'll start out. I've learned that I don't think I'm ever going to grow up. I like that. <laughs> Next. Uh, I've learned to not underestimate myself. Yeah. So I always I always get nervous that because I hate my own voice a lot. So I always get nervous that like no one's going to like anything that I do and no one's going to like be accepting of it and no one's going to actually like listen to it and dig it. I think it's beautiful, Chris. Yeah. Thank you. But that what Mikey was saying, you know, like not underestimating yourself and not like beating yourself up but too much about your own stuff. Is is a good thing to kind of learn. Yeah, but you gotta see, you know, like we're sick too. Even though somebody else can be sick at something, like you, you can be sick too. Yeah. yeah. We never think that way, you know. But like we could be sick. Too. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, honestly, I think personally, I think confidence is half the battle. Yeah. I mean, you have to understand. I think to a certain degree, you're stepping up to the plate. So if you're gonna swing, fucking swing. Yes. Especially so with vocal. Absolutely, man. I mean, I think honestly, I think I've learned a lot throughout this creative process, especially with this album. I learned a lot of, uh, just really about digging deep and really self-reflecting and being honest about that self-reflection and admitting to yourself that not all good. You don't, none of us are, are perfect and none of us want to admit that we have evil shit in our hearts that we yeah. need to put to bed. And I, I think a lot of this album was trying, me trying to therapeutically deal with my own shit. And I think that's what makes this album so no. relatable. At least I hope it's what makes this album so no. relatable lyrically. Is that there's just we're all in this together, and it's not always pretty, but we yeah. can survive if we just pull our head out of our asses. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other thing is like getting it out, yeah. like whatever whatever is pent up in you, and just getting it out in whatever way that you can. Just puking it out. Just puking it out. And that's honestly how a lot of lyrics start, man. It just starts with puking, and then I make sense of it. You just sift through the vomit and just find the words that you like? Well, whatever hits home, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and whatever I feel like somebody else would relate to. I mean, honestly, when I listen to our music, and what I want is I want people to have the same experience that I did. When I was 13, 
whatever, you know, life is what it is. Sure. To be able to listen and oh, and and realize that maybe the person that is sitting on the other side of those headphones might actually know exactly what you're going. For. Right. You know what I mean? And that's what I hope to provide with some other people, whoever listens. I hope that in some fashion, I I hope that in some way I relate, and I hope in some way I provide hope. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's the good thing with music and like riffs. Like, I'm very emotional, so like what I feel somehow translates to the guitar, and like that's what you hear, and it. It comes from like you know your interactions with people, certain connections. You know you come across certain individuals, makes you feel a certain way. Yep. Like that's technically where my rhythm music comes from. I like it. So yeah. whenever like I I say we make music, I guess for the listeners because we interact with the listeners. That yes. emotion that it, you know that vibe, whatever <clears throat> gets exchanged. Right. I'm yeah. a little crazy now, but you get what I'm saying. That connection piece goes a long way because if you're just putting out cookie cutter shit, like. You're just gonna get lost in in the in the ether, you know. If yeah. you're trying to actually like get your own shit out there and then connect with other people, that's what it's all about, man. Like that 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 human connection is is what will propel you into everything else. That's most important. Yeah, it's. I mean, music is literally just the expression of your emotion, and you know, and, and metal is a very good you know genre to look at and be like, you know, maybe not everybody vibes that way. But there's like a hell of a lot of people that do. Metal is very, and they emotional. need that. Yeah, it's always fun for me to like just show someone a piece of metal music and they're just like, this is all just screaming. And it's like, all right, well, look at the lyrics. Let, yeah. Let me, yeah. So look at the lyrics first and then tell me. So much more to it. <laughs> so much more. Like people who don't create music don't have that, like, you know, like broader way to look at it. You know, they just hear a song. Right. And I like the cipher it as a whole. Yeah. But I envy that though. Sometimes I wish I could just hear it as yeah, a yeah, me too. <laughs> right. One whole thing. Lyrically, I guess. I, I like Mikey was saying earlier, the same people as before, during, and after the show, uh, is I hope lyrically that's what people get. I hope that if you know when we do if, you know, obviously the COVID stuff, whenever we do get to do the meet and greets and all that stuff, I want people to lyrically attach themselves that's great as they, as they do the music to me, to me in my mind they're equally you know cohesive parts and they create a beautiful orchestra of awesome <laughs> i like that orchestra of awesome it, honestly this whole thing was a gigantic learning experience oh, i thought you were gonna say a joke <laughs> God damn, what commitment because when we were tracking it was mostly like one-on-one like with you know steven track vocal with me and then i'd record the guitars individually um, so it was a lot of one-on-one -on -one time where I got to experience how the other person gets into their creative brain and how they, you know, I learned about my dudes in a completely different way. Um, so like, I see how they create, I, I see when there's parts where it's like, they're not feeling it. It's like, even though like I'm looking at the computer screen and they're behind me, it's like, there'll be certain tracks where it's like, you can tell they're really into it or you can tell they're not too sure about this part. So a lot of the, um, tracking process was very smooth like that because it, it was one of those like i wasn't happy with that so yeah i, I kind of felt that too so yeah. let's back and do it and just about all the takes that you know were on the album they were all takes where like the other person was like yeah that was that was that was the one i like that so but i i think from my personal experience what i learned was if you want good results you got to put in the required work um, like the first album, it was very rushed and I think it sounds rushed mentality was, let's just hurry up and get this over with. 
Whereas this one, it was, this isn't over with until, you know, Everything T's is, are crossed yeah. and all the lowercase J's are dotted. <laughs> 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 and, and we did it, man. Like I, there, there are a lot of days where, you know, be like getting off work and going straight down to the computer screen and staring at it until freaking 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. Even if it's just like moving one little EQ line just to really put it. I mean, it's probably now looking back, that's an excessive amount of time to do it. <laughs> but I was learning as I was going. So it was, it was a lot of, okay, learn for audio real quick. Okay, now let's apply that real quick. Back to learning it, back to applying it. So I think aside from learning how to actually do it, is knowing that if you put in the work and even if it's just like five minutes a day, as long as you're getting five minutes closer and 1% closer to that end goal, you're going to do it. You know what I mean? So just like, don't put a timestamp on it. Just when it's done, it's done. That's fantastic. I, I, I really, really like that. With, with your experience with recording with these guys and seeing their creative minds, does that translate to you at all as far as what you're, how you're going to approach playing in the future? Or writing? I learned a lot. Like I learned a lot about vocals. I learned about I learned a lot about guitar solos. Like guitar solo, like the the whole idea of soloing, it, it's kind of a foreign language to me. Okay. And same with drums. Like I understand the kick snare, you know, the requirement for that in a beat, but like tom fills and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just don't understand that. So hearing other people do it and like seeing what their natural brain instinct is telling them to do or like where they're like oh this is what i hear then hearing them do it and, you know it's, it's like watching someone look at a piece of picture or a picture with dots where you can doesn't matter how you connect the dots there's gonna be a picture that you can color in and seeing the picture that each of my guys made it was it was just cool man that's fantastic i, I like the the extra level of connection rather than just showing them your butthole you're actually connecting them on an emotional <laughs> level too and like a creative level too totally but we've seen his butthole too for inspiration <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah well it's a butthole but what do you like what is it what do you, <laughs> what do you, what do you do with <laughs> <laughs> what is it completely capable of? <laughs> what comes out of it <laughs> I think we all know what comes out of it it's what goes in it that's the question oh that's my favorite tour story we're in Nashville okay <laughs> It's this, the same national story. And I, if I said I defecated, like that's an understatement. I <laughs> gave birth to possibly an anaconda. <laughs> and I'm uh, and like, you know, it's like, uh, he took a big poop. Like, no, it took me. <laughs> I was sweating. Like it felt like I worked out and it was sticking out of the toilet. Like, <laughs> It was the oh, shit of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, like, did you, did you, like, did you Randy Marsh it? Did you take a picture of it? Did you try to weigh it? I took a picture, but like, you know, the last time this has happened, it's been just <laughs> a bad shit. It's been a crap shit. A couple pebbles in there, and that's it. That's what my <laughs> abs training was for. But no, I turn around, and it's like, that's what. <laughs> This makes sense. And I started laughing hysterically. I was like, that is a huge turd. Like, I've never seen it. This was worth it. This is like everything about the way this turd looks makes sense in comparison to how much I was working. Like, and that goes back to what I said about like, if you put in the work, if you put in the time, 
you don't get great results. And I'll tell you oh, what, in Nashville, man. I put in the extra work, yeah. and that shit sticking out of the toilet was proof that yeah. I put in that extra work. You put in and it put out. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Okay. All right. That that hurts a little bit for me just because my face and just ismetfan.com. <laughs> <laughs> It seemed like that was the appropriate place for fun. <laughs> Christ. All right. I, I, I like it. I do, unfortunately, have to get serious again, and I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, All right. So what I want to know from each of you, too, is what keeps you motivated and keeps you driven to pursue music, despite all the other obstacles that you have with family, work, and all that other good stuff. Um, I know for me, like what keeps me motivated is just the desire to make music. Like, that's what I want to do. Like, the number of followers, the number of subscriptions, like, those are cool, but it's not the music that I'm creating. Like, mm-hmm. the numbers and dollars, like, all that is irrelevant to the actual content that I can go back and look at when I'm 70, 80 years old. Yeah. And I want to make sure that, like, it sounds cool. Like, I want to enjoy listening to it. Like, the first Kismet record, like, I'll listen to it. But this one, the new one that came out, The Boundaries of Man, like when I listen to this, like I am so, I'm just stoked. Right. It's like, this is exactly what we worked for. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's such a cool feeling. And I want to feel that more. Oh, the next I one. I do it again. Yeah. You know? Like we just mm-hmm. did it and I'm ready to do it again. We're already, we're already <laughs> ready to record this next one if we really want yeah, to. Yeah. <laughs> we've started playing on it uh, seven string guitars too. So it gets, we've got songs that are a little heavier. Songs are a little lighter. Mm-hmm. Start mixing it up a little. Yeah, it's I'm I'm actually so freaking excited because you know when I first joined the band, I was like, man, what a breath of fresh air this music is. Yeah, you know what I mean. And now we're writing this new stuff on the seven strings with a little bit of a more chunkier and meatier tone, a little more balls to it. I'm just like, holy cow, what a breath of fresh air. <laughs> you know, and I think that's kind of the beauty of playing with these guys as a vocalist is because they don't ever cease to surprise me nor challenge me in a good way because they're always pushing me to kind of expand my balance. Right. You know I mean, and so anyway, this next album is going to be nuts too. Yeah. I, I really like that with uh, comedians. They always talk about the putting out a special. And what they'll do is they they tour that special for so long and then finally record it and now it's out, but they never fucking do those jokes again. Right. Like they they go on to the next thing almost immediately. So it's kind of cool to to hear that that you guys are already set up for the, the next step like right away. It's gonna be great when shows come back and you're you're still being able to play everything from the record that just ripped the entire time that I was listening to it, which was fantastic. Now I'm even more excited to listen to what the the next step is. So hearing that you're also excited makes me happier because now I have more to look forward to, which is great. Absolutely. And I love that. And like you said earlier, not that it's really, but that tidbit at the end, you know, yeah. it's, just, it's a, it's a very good example. A lot of times we were playing the songs, like at the end of it, it's like, you know, we wrote that. That's <laughs> <laughs> Can you play that again? Like, holy crap. Like, we actually just did that. <laughs> That's great. So, Steve, what do you think keeps you motivated to keep pursuing music? Is it that creative juices that you feed off of from the other members? Oh, wow. Uh, this is kind of a loaded question. Uh, what keeps me going, I guess, musically is just, honestly, my muse really is, as cheesy as it sounds, is really my muse is really the world and who we are as people. Regardless of what we believe, there, we can all agree that 
we can strive to be a little bit better than what we have been in the last, you know, couple of decades. Anyway, I guess that kind of refers back to what I was saying earlier. It's just like seeing that stuff and coming to coming to terms with it and choosing, making a conscious decision to be better than that. And uh, I guess my my motivation is really trying to help us be better as people. That's really my need. That's all I really, I want to channel what my gift is and hopefully use it to something that might be beneficial. That's beautiful. I love it. Who's next? I want to know what motivates you to continue to pursue music despite all the other nonsense that you got to deal with. Man, that's really like... Good questions. Yeah, these are good questions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're not all buttholes, but you know... <laughs> I love these. How do I, how do I type this as butthole into this answer? <laughs> so, no, no. Honestly, I think what keeps me motivated for the longest time it was always touring and playing shows and that aspect of the band. That's still my favorite part of being in the band. I love touring and playing shows, but I also like making new music and watching the music change and evolve as we kind of change our, as ourselves. And then like, you know, there's five people making an influence. So it's, I like that part of it too, you know, working together with the guys, making new songs. That's what, I think that's what keeps me going nowadays. It was, touring and all that shit but with what's going on now we can't really play shows we've been lucky to play a, you know a handful of shows during the pandemic so you know i can't really hate on that but as for now i think it's recording and making new music that's what keeps me going yeah this plain and simple it's just it's just always been a part of life even with the, the pandemic going and all that it's it's just never going to stop for us and like steve was just saying it's just motivating us more to Get together more and give us more opportunity to just you know critique things and work out new music and just take advantage of the time and it's just always been a part of at least like my life for sure but i'm sure everyone else is too and it's just never going to stop no matter what i love it um is mikey still there to to answer that question Ra? Right no yeah ah there you are so what do you think keeps you motivated to continue to pursue music despite all the other stuff that you have to deal with because music is just what it is like there's there's no like you know what i mean like i can go to work i can do whatever at the end of the day i'm going back picking up the guitar and i'm playing if i'm not playing guitar i'm making beats if i'm making beats i'm banging on a table like you know what i mean it's just yeah it's 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 not like something like uh like i'm choosing to you know do it It just happens oh yeah chris you were saying you were saying you were listening to beats or something before this right check out Mikey's TikTok, he's got a bunch of songs that he's made and stuff. I don't know what a TikTok is, so I, oh, I don't know okay. what it is. Gonna, uh, Instagram. Instagram and YouTube as well. Okay, okay. all right. I, I can do Instagram. I can do YouTube. I'm not, I'm not doing TikTok. I, <laughs> yeah, he makes a lot of, I don't know how to say it's a lot of like lo-fi beats, and it's, it's just sick. But yeah, that's that's all I've been listening to for a while is just like uh, just like some chilled out lo-fi beats. Polar opposites. Yeah, yeah. So it was... Like what what Steve was saying, it was just like a breath of fresh air to listen to the record because I forgot like how much I liked metal. And then going from just like the the scenes that I've been in as far as just like the the mental of being just chilled out, trying to get some jazz vibes in there and and chilling out that way, because that's what I use to to like edit the show is I try to, to like use that to just focus and hone in on it. And I'm just like, well, this is way better. Let me let me try to do some more stuff with this. Like, I can probably do some jumping jacks to this. Like, I might find some energy. Like, this is great. I know music kind of like brings you back. Like, I went into a phase where I was making a lot of beats and listening to a lot of like hip hop, different music. 
But then, like, I randomly stumbled across some music on, like, I don't know, the iTunes things, you know, just shuffle yeah. the songs and they went back into, like, Bullet and it took me to, like, As I Lee Die and I'm just like, yo, like, what, like, you know, like, it's, it's like a part of you. Like, it, it never, it never goes away. Once you hear it, it's like, you're right back in it. Like, it's, it's crazy. That's yeah. why music for me, it's nonstop. Like, I can hear a car alarm, somebody crashed down the street or something. I'm like, oh, damn, that sounds sick like this. And, you know, oh, <laughs> you know, it's like, did you just crash again? Yeah, it's a whole new song, you know, like it's ridiculous. Yeah, you always got to have a recorder with you, right? You always got to be able to sample everything around you. On my phone, man, you already know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love literally, it. Literally. I mean, that's a lot of how this album, a lot of how this album was written was because Mikey would, or the band would, I got this riff. I got this idea. Yeah, you check you this know, out. You know? And then they would write it back to us, they'd record it, they'd send it to me, I'd get the lyrics done, and then. Yeah. You know, I mean, your life, your shame, though. That There's actually, that song was actually written. Yep, I see it. There's a cat. I think my cat. Yeah, yeah. She's <laughs> a little monster. What's her? What's her name? Josie. She's she's the oh, the fucking yeah. worst. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey Josie. Hey, what's up? What's up? Uh, now you can see it. <laughs> Yeah, so she she has ruined my life completely. I put um I had to put my dog down last March. Oh, so man. it's just been me and the cat. And uh she has fully like turned into a fucking diva that if I'm not <laughs> feeding her, she's yelling and if she's not yelling, she's sleeping and if I'm not if she's not sleeping, she's yelling to get fed to the next time that she can sleep and then she'll just like <laughs> climb on me. And the worst part about it is like I'll I'll be editing a show or I'll be like listening to music or, or playing a game or whatever. And then she just comes up to me and just like starts biting my hand. And was like, <laughs> oh, it's game time. Like, let's fuck around. Like we're we're gonna fight. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta live around the cat. The cat doesn't live around you. Yeah. As a cat person, you you know the cat runs the house. I was never a cat person before and now that I am, I don't know how to like reconcile with that because I just want to like throw her against the wall and see if she'll be okay. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta give in. <laughs> she runs, she bed, runs bro. the place. <laughs> she's just like, yeah, like, I'm worried that the cat like might like latch on your jugular. Yeah. And if that oh, happens, bro, Chris, we she's pooping on your bed, Chris. She turns into uh, a little burrito when she actually like comes all together and like relaxes but uh she's also on a diet from the the vet and uh, i don't think she's lost any weight because she keeps yelling at me so i keep like giving her <laughs> treats. Yeah. Okay. i feel you man my dog's just begging for treats so i'm just like take them <laughs> so as as we wrap up was there anything else that you guys would like anybody to know about your music your mission or the record itself you gotta listen to it yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 just listen to it. You, know, you can like it, it not like it, it, but at least it. listen to it. Listen, listen yourself, think for yourself. Yeah. I think so like when I, I I try to have an unbiased opinion when it comes to listening to this album, and everything about this album has been: is this something I would enjoy? Is this something I would listen to? Is this something mm -hmm. that I would keep in good condition? Is this something I want my car all the time? And. Mm -hmm. And we have that, and yeah. I, I hope that when people listen to it, like I hope that they're like you know thinking or you know 
doing some push-ups or like cleaning their room <laughs> yeah. or whatever. You know, like I was something I can listen to and just enjoy and kind of remember what they were doing as they were listening to it. Um, because I know like some of the albums that I listened to when I was a kid, they still stick out to me. Like I remember Absolutely. listening to In Flames playing Final Fantasy Ten. So like yeah. I see Final Fantasy, I I think in flames. And and it'd be cool if someone gets that out of this. 